Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, everybody. So excited to see everybody today. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Doing good. Did you get a donut yet? I hope not, because you didn't hand in your small group card. I saw someone eating a donut before the first service. I said, hey, hold on. Excited to be with you guys this morning and uh, really excited to finish up this month's series. Uh, We've been walking through a series called Letters from Prison, and uh, we're walking through these four weeks discovering essential values uh, for life-giving cultures in in our towns, in our workplaces, just in our everyday life, everywhere that we are. Uh, So I really am excited and honored to be standing here with you to share the Word of God and to finish up this series strong with you. We're moving into March, everybody. February's over. I don't know uh, where time is going, but uh, here we go. So each week, we've been discovering a different letter that this guy Paul wrote. Uh, And there's a common theme, but there's a different purpose for each letter that he wrote. We're going to put this on the screen, and we've said this every week, so let's get ready to say this together. Uh, Here's our common theme. Let's say this together. Paul wrote from a place for a purpose, right? And so if you've been tracking with us, the place that he wrote from each time was prison. Paul's writing from prison, and each purpose that he writes for is a little distinct and different each time. So just to recap the past four weeks, what we've learned, uh, let's just go through this quickly. If you've been with us, you'll remember that The first week in Colossians, we learned to love God because Jesus is enough. Next in Philemon, we learned to love others because Jesus loves them. And then last week, Pastor Keith talked in Ephesians how Paul encourages us to pursue excellence because Jesus pursued you. And so today, I'm excited to discover our fourth value together, and we're going to look at the book of Philippians where uh, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi at the time. We're going to learn what he had to say to them is just as applicable for us today, over 2,000 years later. Uh, But just to set up kind of the scene of this moment in time when Paul is writing this letter, again, he's writing from prison to this church in Philippi. So the church in Philippi gives some context. This was the first Jesus community that Paul started. So Paul is writing back to people that he loves, people that he pastored, the church that he started there. He's writing to his church family. Now, you can look around the room for a moment, and this is our Blaze family, right? This is our church family. So just kind of feel this. 2,000 years ago, this was a church family. And Paul, as a pastor, is writing back to the people who he loves. Now, also to kind of just feel the cultural tension in the narrative around them at this time— There was a lot of Roman nationalism. So Philippi is a city within Rome. There's a lot of Roman nationalism and allegiance to Caesar. So Paul's message and the message of the gospel, which is Jesus is Lord, right? That was very contrary to the narrative of the day, which was, well, Caesar is Lord. And any name that kind of combats that and poses a threat, well, that's why Paul ended up in prison, because that was the message of the gospel. So this also resulted in the mistreatment and even persecution of the church that was there in Philippi. So just want you to kind of feel all of that as we're seeing Paul write back to the people he loves in Philippi as he's in prison. 
So what happens next is the Philippian church sends a member of their church. His name was Epaphroditus. Everybody say Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. It so, kind of sounds like a disease. Uh, <laughs> not knocking the guy, but I hope I said his name right, because if I didn't, you all said it wrong too. Uh, but they send a member of their church. Let's say we sent Miguel. Uh, they sent Miguel back to Paul to say, hey. Uh, so what happens, they send this guy from their church to Paul in prison with a financial gift to say, hey, we're thinking about you. We love you. We want to support you. Really, it reminds me of you, Blaze Church, just stepping out, being radically generous in times of need. So that's what's happening. And Paul writes back to the church for two reasons. First, very practically, he's just writing back to say, hey, I love you guys. I'm so encouraged by you. Thank you for your gift. And number two, we're going to get into the contents of his letter. There's a whole lot more. But we're really going to focus on a single call to action that Paul gives us. And it's a big one, guys. Like this just as applicable, if not more, today for us as it was back then in first century Rome. So let's dive right in the text in Philippians chapter 4. Here's what Paul writes. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Did you notice he said it twice there? I don't think that's by accident. There's something really big here for us to grab onto this morning. Now, I know what you're probably thinking, if you're anything like me, and you read this. Okay, Paul, that's insane. How are we to rejoice at all times? Like, really, always, in every circumstance, the good, the bad, the ugly? Like, how are we to take this impossible call to action to choose joy in every circumstance. Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here because we're going to look to answer that together by looking at God's word. But when I hear the word rejoice, I'm thinking of joy and happy. And here's the picture that I think of. If you know me and my family, this is, yeah, all right. This is my youngest daughter, Lily, and she's always got that joy face on. Now, I have to say, as I was preparing to talk about Lily, my other daughter, Ellie, she said, Daddy, are you going to talk about me too? So there you go. I mentioned Ellie, so now I can tell her I talked about her too. But especially Lily at her age, right, she's always got this joy face on. And you may look at me or her loving mom and say, how can you guys not choose joy all the time? Well, let me bring you into my real life at one in the morning when all we want to do is sleep. And she does not, apparently. It's just teething. Something's going on. It's not easy to choose joy, everybody, all the time. So can I get an amen from someone? Just the everyday situations of life, and then the bigger things come. Like, this is a tension moment. And so we're going to lean into this tension because, you know, some of you may know me and say, like, oh, Josh, you have a joyful personality. That's just kind of who you are. Can I share a secret with you? Like, joy does not come naturally for us, right? I think we know that, but joy is not a natural response. It's actually a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that God does in us that we're able to respond in the good, in the bad, with a posture of joy. Now, what does that look like? We're going to, again, lean into this tension and look at that as we move forward in the message. Uh, but I polled a couple of you uh, over the past week or so, and I asked you this question. I appreciate if you had some dialogue with me on this. If you didn't, I want you to think of your answer to this now. We're going to have the question here on the screen. What is something you experience in everyday life where it's most difficult for you to choose joy. So just real practically, think of your everyday, I'm sure some scenarios, situations, many are coming to your mind that it's hard to choose joy. What does that look like? Some of the answers I received was when my patience is tested, right? Or waking up early to go to school on a day, I'm just not feeling it. 
or being disappointed when expectations don't pan out the way that I hoped, or feeling disconnected from others. Or now, how about this one? Trying to communicate or manage little humans I can't control. That may or not have been my wife. <laughs> so we're going to camp out in this tension a little bit, everybody. You all feel it? It's like not always easy to choose joy. And we're going to look at Paul's call and how God's inviting us to a place that this is actually possible. So everybody say the three C's. The three C's. So this is going to be our three keys we'll discover through Paul's letter to the Philippian church on how it's possible for us to choose joy. So first, everybody say calling. calling. That's our first C. I'm giving you the answer. I'm not even like creating, uh, you know, suspense about it. Just That's our first C, calling. So if you're taking notes, just put down calling. And we're going to dive right into Paul's text. This is Philippians chapter 3. He says, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. These are powerful words that Paul is writing. He's going through his history, his heritage, his accomplishments, who he was and what he's done. He's saying, here's my entire resume, and yet in light of these pretty significant things that he is and he's accomplished, he's saying, I consider them all not just meaningless, but garbage. He uses that word. Like, compared to knowing Jesus, these me things mean nothing. Like, knowing Christ is everything. Like, that's extremely powerful. And so we're, what we're seeing is Paul is saying, hey, my confidence is not in my own ability and in the things that I've done in my accomplishments. He says, my confidence is in the one who's created me and called me. And that's our first key to connect the dots here. We're talking about choosing joy. In order to choose joy, you've got to know that God chose you. Like before the foundations of time, the scriptures say that he saw you, he called you, he created you, he knows you by name. Like he knows he called you for a purpose. He, he called us all into this place this morning. Like it's not by accident that you're here, that I'm here this morning to hear this. God has called you and that enables us. It's an invitation that brings us into this place that we can choose joy in all circumstances. I mean, just think about the magnitude, the reality of the gospel, that he loved you. He loved us while we were still sinners. While we were far from him, he called us close to him. That is amazing. And this invitation that we have to respond to the invitation of the gospel. And when we can truly rest in that, just take some time to reflect. That's why we get together on Sunday mornings to hear the word, to, to look at what God is saying to us. When we rest in the reality that he has called us, then we have everything that we need to choose joy, no matter what comes our way, no matter what. So that's our first C, calling. Number two, everybody say contentment. 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 
So maybe you're saying, you know, God loves me. That's great. He's called me. But the reality is that life is terrible right now. You know, we, we all walk through situations and moments, and I'm sure many of us are walking through uh, great hardship this morning, some situation that's really hard to choose joy. And again, I want to lean into that tension because God has an answer for us today. Let's keep reading. Paul says this. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. How powerful is that? You know, guys, if we could go back to that last verse on the screen, really want to call out that word content. Do you see that? Like Paul is writing from a place of prison, and I mean, I wasn't there 2,000 years ago, but that prison was no healthy conditions, and he's writing from a place of being whipped and flogged and like suffering for the sake of the gospel. So he's living this thing out, and he's saying, guys, I found the secret of being content even in this dire situation, that I can do this. I can do all things because Christ is with me, because he's called me. He's given me everything that I need to be content. And that's true for you and I today, Blaze Church. He's, he's invited us to be content in resting in the fullness of what he's done on the cross, brought into our lives today. He's awakened our hearts. He's resurrected us, gone from dead and made us alive in him, given us his Holy Spirit. How powerful is that? And it's really a countercultural message, right? Because the world around us, the culture says, hey, I'm, I'm happy when things are going my way, and I have the bank account and the job, and everything's shaping up, and I'm miserable when I don't. And yet the gospel turns that on its head. Jesus turns that on its head and says, hey, there's an ability that we can be content even when walking through hardship and situations, that we don't have to ride this emotional roller coaster as our source of joy. We can lean on him in the good moments, in the bad. That, my friends, is really what freedom looks like, isn't it? That we're not dictated and blown by the wind in the situations of life, but that Christ, our solid rock, we're rooted, we're planted in him. We're able to experience his community together. Here's a question that really challenged my heart, and I want to pose it to you as well. Let the Holy Spirit kind of just work in us today. Are you worshiping your circumstance or are you serving the God who is sovereign over the circumstance? Man, is that a challenging thought? You know, I, I, it's so easy for me to complain, guys. <laughs> I'm sure I'm the only one in the room, right? Uh, it's so easy to lean into the negatives and, and what needs to be done and the complaints, but I have to, I have to be challenged by that question. We have to be challenged by that. Are, are we serving the circumstance or are we saying, you know, God, the God that I serve, his name is high above. His light shines brighter than any darkness that I can face. We've got to preach to those doubts. We've got to preach to those situations in our lives and remind us, remind ourselves of who he is, remind each other. But I do want to continue to kind of lean into that place of tension that we all feel this morning and say, you know, it's, it's hard to choose joy sometimes. You know, I don't know what you're facing today, but many of us may be facing some real, real hardship, maybe the death or the loss of a loved one unexpectedly or extreme anxiety or depression or fear, just really hard stuff that we're walking through. Or you look around the brokenness in our world today, right? It's just, it's heavy stuff. So how do we respond to that and choose joy? I really want to highlight who Jesus is, 
who is the one who is inviting us to choose joy? What does that joy look like? Well, let, let's look at Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on him, talk about him for a moment. Who is he? The scriptures say that he was a man of sorrows. Like our Savior was a man of sorrows. He obeyed the Father. He went to that cross. He endured so much for us. Isaiah writes that he was a man of sorrows. He understood pain and hardship. He didn't push against it. Like in his story, when the Savior was sent in the form of a, a little boy, his family, he was a refugee. They were on the run in the midst of war. Like just, just think about that. He placed himself into hardship so that he can demonstrate his love for us. He relates with us. He's not disconnected from the pain that we experience. And so this choosing joy isn't just like a bumper sticker, like put a smile on, let's move past it, let's get happy. I'll be honest, sometimes I, I just want to fix it and, and move past it. But no, the Savior leans into these moments with us. He is not disconnected from the pain that we experience. He is with us and he is for us. And as we declare the truth that he will never leave us nor forsake us, the awakening comes within us. He's called the Holy Spirit, and he awakens us to the truth that, God, you are greater than the circumstance that I'm facing. I know this hurts. I know this is painful. But, Lord, would you shine your light in and through me that even in this, I would be an example to the world around me of your love and your life change within me. What an invitation, guys, that it's, it's not just we're showing up and saying, God, give me healing. Yes, he wants to do all those things. But he's inviting us to be a display to the world around us of the amazing love and the power that he is. Man, can we just give him praise for that for a moment, that even in all things, his heart is to restore and to invite us to be a part of that restoration in the world around us. Check out these words from Paul. He had a moment where he actually was, he almost experienced a great sorrow. And so Paul leans into this. He says about Epaphroditus, remember that guy that the church sent, the scenario was that Epaphroditus almost died, and Paul speaks to this. Paul says, Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Again, he leans into that and says, Hey, this is real. Like the same guy who's saying, Rejoice in the Lord always, and who's living it out, is also saying, Hey, I can experience sorrow. And that, that's a real recognition for us that it's possible to choose joy while experiencing sorrow. I really felt the Holy Spirit give me these words as I was in my devotional time thinking about this message. And I want to read this just as is because it was really powerful for me, and I pray it blesses you as well. Joy is not the ignorant denial of sadness. Joy is acknowledging the brokenness and choosing to fix your eyes on the one who restores all broken things. It's fixing our eyes on Jesus. And joy is not the same as happiness, everybody. It's a conscious and daily decision. It's a gift from God. And only in God's kingdom is it possible to have this joy while experiencing hardship. Here's more, more from Paul. He says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed he says you know what it's not that these things don't matter it's not that they don't exist i'm not going to turn a blind eye to them i'm going to name them out but i'm going to declare the truth of god's word over that i'm going to declare that the light of the gospel it matters so much more that knowing jesus it surpasses everything else and that hope that we have that he will one day make all things right 
that brings us alive and brings us back into the place of being able to choose joy. All right, everybody. So we have two C's so far. So say calling, calling. Contentment, contentment, and who wants to guess what our third C is? I'll give it to you. How's that? Our third C is community. Everybody say community. community. So Paul he ends this letter in Philippians the same way that he starts it. I want to read a little bit from the beginning of Philippians and a little bit from the end. He says, in the beginning, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work on to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. You see that he's, he's saying, I pray with joy, partnership. He, he has a great connection with these people. And then later on, he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Like, we could just feel the deep sense of community and friendship that he has as a pastor with the church that he, that he started here in Philippian, in Philippi. And he calls them dear friends. He, he's talking, he's saying brothers and sisters. He, he actually calls them. He says, you are my joy. Like, not even like you're a source of my joy. Like, you're my joy. Like, how deep is that connection, that relationship? And I really am so grateful as I look around the room. So many familiar faces, some new faces. But this is, this is a family, guys. Right. We are a family. We're the family of God. And I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. I'm grateful that you're here this morning. This is such a big thing in the gospel community. Like, what a gift that we get to experience God's presence, not only one-on-one, -on -one, but also together. Coming together, showing up a Sunday morning in rows, but then we're launching, like Pastor Keith said, small group semester. Like, I am so excited to spend the next 10 weeks. My wife and I have the privilege of uh, spearheading a marriage group, so if you're interested, come on down. We'd love to have you. But it's going to be a great semester. Um, it's going to be a great time of just connecting and doing life together. And that's really God's heart, yeah. right? Like Jesus said, love God, love others. Like right. you can't leave the second part out. It's like a full package deal that we get to do life together and grow in him, encourage each other together. Um, just a quick story, uh, about a week and a half ago, a lot of guys, I'm seeing a lot of guys uh, who were there uh, this morning, but if, if you were there, you know we had a men's connect night. The ladies had a, a ladies connect night as well heard you ladies had like two more people than we did. We almost beat you. We almost beat you. But I can't speak to your group. I heard it was great. But the guys, we had a great night having some pizza, playing a game, just connecting and growing in our faith together. Dave did a great job bringing a really encouraging message about what it looks like to be a man of God and follow after him and all that. Um, but it, it was so great. I think one of my favorite moments of the night, though, was kind of towards the end. It's kind of spontaneous moment where a couple of the guys we're just sharing their stories of how small group impacted them. And one of my close friends here, he just shared like, hey guys, I was on a road far from God, like way off the path. And it was small group. It was getting connected in a small community that really God transformed my life and changed him from the person he was. And I mean, that's just phenomenal that God invites us into his story using each other to do that. Like, your story matters. I really want to encourage every single one of you today that your story matters. And someone needs that. Someone needs to hear it. We don't feel that at times, and that's why I think someone needs to, to remind us. Like, your story matters, and you need to be encouraged, and you need to encourage others. And it, it's all part of God's great plan 
for our lives to experience this community. We need gospel-centered friendships, everybody. Right. You know, we, we really do need it. And that's what small groups at Blaze Church were designed for, to connect, to protect, and to grow together. And this is truly the best way to, to bring all the three C's together. Right? Ready? The best way to remember your calling and to live a content life is to be in gospel-centered community. Right? This is why we need to be in small group and why we have the opportunity to get plugged in today. Take a listen to this quote. This is really powerful. Your walk with the Lord will thrive to the extent that you are part of the kind of community that the Philippian church and their founding pastor enjoyed together. So again, that, like that deep community that we see Paul writing back to his church and saying, hey guys, I love you. I appreciate you. Keep running after Jesus. That's what we get to experience today. 2,000 years later. That's what we'll all continue to experience until Jesus brings us home, right? What a gift. So in this series, we've looked at these four values. Love God, love others, pursue excellence, and now choose joy. Really, to tie it all together, we see that these aren't independent of one another, right? Love God leads us to loving others because we know Jesus loved them which leads us to this place of pursuing excellence. So we, like, we want God's best for our lives. We don't want to just settle for the here and now. We want to see His heart. And what does that result in when, when we're pursuing all those things? Joy comes in our hearts. Like, His joy bubbles up because He fulfills us. He satisfies us. Like, that's the best life. That's the most fulfilled life when we're living in community with others. And so it, it bears mentioning once more, at least for myself, so come along with me, did Paul actually mean always when he said rejoice always? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Is that possible? Well, not in ourselves, but because of Jesus, right? Because he has awakened us. He's taken us from truly dead, and he's made us alive in him. He's given us this wonderful invitation that we can choose joy regardless of the circumstances that we may be facing at times. He did it for you, and he did it for me, and he invites us to know him more. And we can, here's, here's our, our fourth value, choose joy because Jesus chose you. I love that, that it's not, you know, do this because Jesus did that. The gospel is not a burdensome call to do something. It's an invitation to experience his love, his life, and his joy, no matter what the circumstance is. He chose you to be his follower. He calls you to live a content life, and he commands us, to live in community with one another. And that's the best way we can experience this joy is in life-giving community with one another. And guys, you know, again, just to be real, I'm a dad of two girls. I get it. This is hard. <laughs> you know, that's why we need him. That's why we need community with one another. And there are days where I'm living this out, and I'm feeling great, and I'm depending on God, and I'm, I'm in prayer. I'm connected to others. Those are the days that I'm really connected to those in my circle who are really encouraging me in my faith and in life. And the days that I'm not living this out well is when I'm isolating a little more, when I'm in my head about it, when I'm, when I'm focusing on me and I'm not reaching out. And so it really is such a blessing that I am in a church, that you're in a church that, that loves each other so much, that we get to experience God's life and his life-giving culture within this place. Uh, let's listen to these recap words from Paul, just thinking about these past four weeks in this next moment that we'll have. He says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. He says, guys, go ahead. 
Go do it now. We learned it. Now it's time to put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. See, I love that, that he's like, go do it. But guess what? God's with you. He's for you. It's not you doing something. It's not you doing a work and accomplishing something in your own effort. He's with you. And guess what? We get to do it together. So I want us to pull out those cards one more time. I know Pastor Keith had them. Wave them in the air again. Do something. Let me know you got them. Steal one from your neighbor if you ha don't have. No, don't do that. We have plenty of them. And uh, we're excited because this is re a really, you might, might think it's a simple step, but it's really huge that we get to do Paul's words. We get to put this into practice. You know, we're launching this small group semester, 10 weeks. We get to connect with one another in all these different groups. Uh, learning to cook. I, I wish, kind of wish I was available for that one, but uh, that one seems pretty awesome if you can get in. I heard there's a limited number of slots for that one. Uh, but it really is going to be a, an amazing semester, guys, and we're so excited for all that God's going to do. So we're going to break off in just a couple of moments. We're going to respond with a worship song first. Uh, but I really want you to, as, as you go to put this card in, just remember Paul's words here. Put this into practice. You know, this is an investment of our time. Let's call it out like it is. We all have a schedule. We're all trying to think, okay, what days, what times might work. Can I encourage you? This is so worth it. Yeah, I've been a part of, I don't even know, three, four small group semesters thus far as we've been at Blaze, my family and I. It's so life-giving. You know, sometimes we show up and we think, you know, it was a real push to get here tonight. But it's always like, oh, I'm so glad I came. You know, it's always a story that comes out. So go ahead, guys. Like, I really encourage us. Let's take this next step and look for everything that God has in store for us over these next couple of weeks. And we have some of our small group leaders around answer any questions about any of the groups or anything like that. Online family, our online directory is going to open this week. So be sure to watch your email for that. But as we conclude this series and conclude the message today, I want to invite the worship team back up because we are going to respond in a moment of worship and thank God for what he's done in our hearts as we're spending time together. I just want to pray for us. I want to pray uh, for what we've heard these past four weeks, that it wouldn't just be head knowledge, but that we know that God really brings transformation to our lives, right? That, that we're not the same person today that we were yesterday as we're looking to him, as we're surrendering our lives to him. So I, one thing I love about our church so much is we we like to open up our hands as we pray, right? You notice that if you've been here. It's really a symbol of surrender. And so I really just want to encourage us all just to come to God once again. He's been here the whole time. We're, we're here together worshiping him, but really want us to come into this posture of surrender together. Um, and let's just pray together. Father, we just thank you so much, Lord. Once again, uh, it's such a privilege that we know that you are here that you hear us, that you love us completely, that you've called us, you've given us the ability to be content in all circumstances, and you've given us the beautiful gift of community with one another. God, thank you for your joy. Lord, all these things are not possible in our own strength or accomplishments. Like Paul said, we could do the best things in our life, and yet it's all garbage when compared to knowing you. But man, what freedom will we find in your presence when we look at you in this moment and we say, God, you're all that we need. Lord, I pray for the hurting hearts in this space. You, you know every story and you know every heartache. And Lord, I know that your joy is not just a happy bumper sticker to, to slap on and move on with life. I know that you do deep healing works. 
in our lives as we look to you, as we invite you into those broken spaces. So, Lord, would you heal every crack of our hearts, every situation that we may be facing today that is so heavy. Lord, you are freedom and you are light. You're lighter than any dark situation that we could ever face. And so today, as a church family, we just exalt and we glorify the name of Jesus above all. We fix our focus. We fix our eyes on you, God. And as we step forward in surrender, in faith, we thank you for what you're going to do. God, I pray over this small group semester that you would equip and empower and encourage every small group leader and every person to make this commitment, to take this next step, to see your freedom come in and through our lives. We thank you for all you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.